Welcome to episode 83 of the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. If you don't ask the right questions, you won't get the right answer. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I want to talk to you today in this podcast and for several more that are going to be coming up on leading in a storm and leading through the storm. Uh, and there's no doubt that uh, from time to time we have some storms in our life and we're certainly facing some storms uh, right now uh, that actually affect about every area of our life. The temptation is to come up with a quick answer because after all, leaders do give answers. The temptation is to come up with a quick answer that may not be the right answer or only the partial answer. You know, there's an old saying, if you don't ask the right question, you won't get the right answer. So if you ask a wrong question, you're going to get a wrong answer or not an answer in full. And if we really want to make progress, we get to make that answer the right answer by answer or asking, excuse me, the right question. And I noticed in the scripture that there is a pattern of some of the men we venerate in the Bible, and I don't say that in a negative way, but some of the, the, the people that we exalt in the scripture because we esteem them so much, that these guys had the ability to ask very uncomfortable questions. I think good leaders, especially in a storm, will not avoid the elephant, so to speak, that is in the room and try to go around it and just sing a little bit louder. When I was preparing these notes and thinking about this, immediately it was Gideon in chapter 6 of Judges that came to mind. I think, you know, the story Israel was in trouble. God had turned them over to the Midianites. And uh, every harvest season, the Midians would come and raid their harvest. And it was causing uh, Israel to suffer greatly, uh, economically, and in every other way. And uh, they begin to cry to the Lord, which was obviously the first and best thing to do. They begin to cry to God, and and then God begins to move. And then in verse 11, in Gideon, or in Gideon, in Judges, the sixth, or sixth chapter, verse 11, then the angel Lord came and sat under the oak that was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, as his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midians. So Gideon is down in the wine press, and he's, you know, flagging the wheat there and separating the wheat and the tares. He doesn't want to be seen because if he's seen, they'll come and take the work of his hand away from him. They'll, they'll take the food. And so the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Well, that's a great greeting, isn't it? Especially if, if you're hiding from your enemy at the moment, literally. Then Gideon said to him, now here's the question. I want you to see this two-part question. Then Gideon said to him, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Question number one. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And then the second part is, and where are his miracles, which our fathers told us about saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
So Gideon identifies something. He's saying, look, if the presence of God is with us, if the Lord is with us, why are all these things happening? And that's not to say that if we're walking with God that we don't have problems. But what Gideon is identifying is a pattern. He's saying things are bad. There's no hope. There's no progress. There's no promise. There's no leader. If you are here and you are with us, then I disconnect from that because where you are at, there is progress even when there are problems. There is hope even when there is resistance. And there is blessing even when there's oppression. That, you know, we understand that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That's a teaching that Jesus gave us and told us about. Here's the point I want to make. It's hard to articulate and mobilize people to action when the problem has not been first accurately discerned, discussed, and diagnosed. In other words, we can say, hey, this is a problem, and people can mentally assent to, yeah, that's a problem, and then we can try to mobilize, or we're going we're gonna to do something about that, we're going to work, we're going to pray, we're going to come up with a program, we're going to give money, uh, we're going to you know, we're going to get out beyond the walls of our building. Those are all reasonable responses to a problem. But if it's just an intellectual problem, if it's just something we agree with, then it's going to be hard to buy into doing something. You know, years ago, I had a very profound conversation with somebody. His name was Greg Cunningham. Greg was a Pennsylvania state legislator. He had introduced the Pennsylvania uh, Abortion Control Act, which was one of the first in the country. And we were sitting on a friend's porch, and we were discussing on how to move forward with some of our pro-life activities. And he said this to me. He said, you've got to find churches that do missions. And I said, why? He said, because only churches that believe something is wrong will attempt to fix it. Now listen, that might sound very juvenile, but I think it's extremely profound. In other words... It's one thing to say, well, the world is really bad and there's really problems and there's people that are going to hell and, and there's people that don't have food and there's people that don't have housing. But what he's saying is you've got to find people who are actually engaged in missions. Those are going to be your pro-life people. And you know what? He was absolutely accurate. I changed my focus and I began to look at the churches that were doing missions and those are the churches that became our pro-life partners because they saw the pro-life issue as part of the gospel issue. And they understood that as local congregations, that they were there to remedy problems. Okay, they were going to do something about them. So I'm just going to go back to my first statement about dealing with the elephant in the room. And that is, look, this is really a big problem, and we've got to do something about it. Let's discuss this problem. Now, notice that in this sixth chapter that the Midians were the problem. And the Midians were the problem because Israel was the problem, and they had, and they had sinned. And God didn't snap his fingers and just draw them out of it, but he looked for a man that would ask the right questions to mobilize some people to begin to get them to move forward so that they could work on a remedy. So right now, in our nation and other nations, we're looking at a big problem. And I'm going to tell you, the problem is not just the virus. Obviously, the virus, the virus, is definitely a problem. But the, but the problem that pertains us on a local level 
is how do we do our vision? The problem isn't how do we come together on Sunday? That's part of the problem because coming together on Sunday is just part of the vision. It's a critical part of the vision. I don't believe you can do the vision without coming together. Uh, but then again, you don't have to come together just on Sunday, do you? So what it's going to force us to do is to be the church outside of our own context. And unfortunately, we have contextualized ourselves to just be a Sunday morning group. Now, we would deny that because our values would deny that and our theology would deny it, but our habit and our culture confirm it. In other words, that's how it's been. I'm not saying there's something even wrong with that. I'm just saying that we don't have to depend on that, or maybe right now we can't even depend on it anymore. And this situation, this elephant in the room, we've got to understand is not just a virus, but it's how do we do our vision? How do we do the things that God has told us to do without necessarily packing as many people into a building on a certain day of the week, which is our norm and which is not a bad strategy, but it's not the only strategy. Now, the church does need to meet. We do need to come together. We do need to reach out. We do need to have corporate worship, but that may have to just take on some creative ways for a period of time. When God came to Gideon in the midst of problems, he's called him a mighty man of valor. God confirmed who he was, number one. I wouldn't even say he confirmed. He introduced who he was is probably more accurate because Gideon did not think of himself in those terms whatsoever. But then Gideon asked God a real good question. If your presence is here and your purpose is here, why is all this happening and where are your miracles? I'll say this to you. When you actually diagnose a real problem that's worth solving, that's worth solving, not, not just, oh, it'd be nice if that went away, a problem that's worth solving, you're going to need a miracle somewhere in that remedy. You're going to put your heart forward. You're going to put your hand forward. You're going to put your wallet forward. You're going to put your feet forward. But somewhere in that mix, there's going to be a miracle. Are you with me? This is so important to understand. When we lead in a storm, we ask the right question, we discern, we diagnose, and we discuss the problem. We fix our eyes on the solution, and then we begin to move forward. It first starts by just saying, wait a minute, this is a problem that has to change in order for us to do the things we're called to do in our life, in our ministry, and in our family. Problems come, but the pattern of oppression and constant defeat is not something that God wants us to live in. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. I just want to encourage you to uh, share this podcast with somebody that might be an encouragement to them. God bless you. Today, Keith began a discussion on leading in a storm. Right now, we are facing a storm in COVID-19. But the problem is not just this storm. The problem is how do we do our vision in the midst of the storm? We are in a season where we need to be the church outside of our normal context. When we lead in a storm, we ask the right questions, discern, diagnose, discuss the problem, fix our eyes on the solution, 
and then we begin to move forward. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.